broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We're trying to quantify the loss that uh, the Kansas City Chiefs incurred today in the trade of Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. Now, granted, they're going to recoup. They're going to refigure it out. They're going to, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be fine eventually. But immediately, and immediately might be this year, this season coming up, we don't know. We, we, we don't know. We can't quantify, I can't anyway, what that loss really represents to the Kansas City Chiefs. So, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of ours, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus, and they are in the business of quantifying such things. Sam Monson, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. So when we talk about the loss that uh, the, the Chiefs incurred today, um, how can we quantify what Tyreek Hill means to that operation and how difficult it may or may not be replacing it? Yeah, I think it's going to be massively diff- difficult to replace it. Tyree Kill is a unique player in the NFL. There's nobody else out there with his combination of speed and quickness and acceleration all rolled up into one package. On any given play, he can separate with one step, and there's no defensive back in the NFL that can get that separation back if he keeps running. And that's what they do an awful lot within that Kansas City offense, and you see so many of those plays where he just gets a step of separation and keeps on running, and eventually Patrick Mahomes extends the play and gets the ball in his direction. So Tyreek Hill, there's no other player in the NFL like him. He's the reason that everybody was moving to those two high safety type of coverage shells uh, to combat that Kansas City uh, deep passing attack. And that's something that they don't have in order to replace. You know, you can look at a bunch of different ways to quantify exactly what they're losing out on. But this is a guy that was able to turn Alex Smith into the game's most prolific deep passer the last season before uh, Patrick Mahomes started uh, at quarterback for Kansas City. And that's a huge loss. So in practical terms, uh, Sam, what is this going to mean in terms of, you know, again, Andy Reid is a fantastic coach. Eric Bieniemy, um, his offensive sidekick, they're going to figure some things out and, and redo it a little bit. But in terms of uh, you know weakening that offensive operation, uh, are they going to feel that effect? And is this offense going to uh, look different and maybe just not be as prolific as it has been in the past? Yeah, I think you might see a complete shift in in their offensive philosophy and just how they're scheming things up on offense because they don't have that designated deep threat anymore. A guy you can just send and take the top off the defense on any given play, whether it's from a slot, whether it's from out wide, they really don't have that guy. And, you know, Mecole Hardman can make some plays down the field. They've still got Josh Gordon clinging on. Um, They've got some players that could try and replicate that, but nobody can do what Tyreek Hill does. So I think you might start to see that offense shift and adapt and change um, to suit the skill set of the guys that are still there. And, of course, the other part of it is that we don't yet know what the personnel is going to be because you have to assume that they're not done reconstructing this, that whether it's free agency remaining, whether it's the draft, they're going to be adding somebody to that receiver group so that it isn't just the, the group that's left right now. They're going to try and patch up a little bit 
what they've lost in Tyreek Hill in terms of personnel. Yeah, and you know, for for somebody who makes the argument like uh, we'll just bring up the name like Marquez Valdez uh, Scantling, well, just bring in uh, somebody that has that type of speed, uh, and they'll be they'll be fine. It'll be able to. There's your guy that can take the top off the uh, off the defense, but. You know, my argument is he brought so much to the table for them and was such a unique football player that it's not just that. Um, you're trying to complete or, or figure out a way to replace a full package that Tyreek Hill represented, and it's just not so easy to put somebody in there with that kind of speed and say, okay, uh, that guy will be able to replicate that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Marcus Valdez-Scantling can probably replicate what Tyreek Hill gave you as a designated deep threat. You know, you run him deep down the field, he can scare any defense in the NFL in terms of backing off and just making sure that they have coverage over the top. But what made Tyree kill or makes him so special is that not only is he the game's best deep threat, but he's also arguably the game's best short area slot receiver as well. He's, he's just unstoppable at any given level of the defense. And he can do all those things at the same time. You don't have to, uh, peg him into one specific role within the offense, they can move him around and do anything with him. I mean, remember, it wasn't that long ago they were lining him up in the backfield and giving him legitimate running back carries on, on outside zone type of plays before they went away from that a little bit. But that's the kind of flexibility that Tyreek Hill has and potentially brings to Miami that Kansas City now has to try and uh, reclaim from somewhere. I'm fascinated, Sam, uh, by the uh, the pairing up now of of uh, Tyreek and everything else that the, the the Dolphins have done, but it's specifically him with their new head coach, Mike McDaniel. I think that Mike McDaniel um, has a chance now uh, to really take this thing to a new level, and it, it'll be interesting to see how he's utilized, and maybe even in some different ways uh, than he was in, in Kansas City. What do you think Mike McDaniel is drawing up in his head right now, and how excited do you think he should be, and Dolphins fans for that matter? And then the other element of it is how he pairs with Jalen Waddle yes. within that offense. Um, because you're right, the the prospect of what he can do should be special. I mean, they they were talking up Jalen Waddle as a, a superstar within this offense and the guy that could do a lot of the Debo Samuel type of things that San Francisco has been doing for the last couple of years, unconventional alignments, unconventional deployments, but just getting the ball in that guy's hand and letting him make plays. All of a sudden now you have Tyree Kill coming in and Jalen Waddle might be the closest thing the NFL has to Tyreek Hill. Um, so how those two fit together in that offense that has an unconventional deployment of receivers is going to be interesting because I don't know that Mike McDaniel has done a fantastic job of that in the past. You look at San Francisco, obviously they maximize what Debo Samuel is capable of, but I think it came at the cost of minimizing the impact that George Kittle could have sometimes. And the reason you can see that is when they didn't have Debo. When Debo was hurt or not in the lineup, all of a sudden George Kittle would go off for 200 yards. So they didn't have a great way of kind of maximizing the impact of both those guys at the same time. One was in the ascendancy kind of at the, the cost of the other. So I think he has a job on his hands now to figure out how to maximize what Tyreek Hill can do without having it take away from Jalen Waddle. We're talking to Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. You could follow him at PFF underscore Sam. And uh, that was a brilliant segue you, um, into my next question because 
speaking about pairings and speaking about trying to maximize a tandem uh, in a way that doesn't take away from either guy and really actually enhances both, here in Las Vegas, Devontae Adams and Darren Waller are all of a sudden a pair that's extremely enticing. What type of challenge does Josh McDaniels have, uh, the new head coach, of being able to fit those players in together in a way that enhances rather than reduces? Yeah, I think this is a much more natural fit in terms of that kind of taking care of itself. I, I think Devontae Adams fits a, a missing skill set in the Raiders receiver core that hasn't been there since you know Henry Ruggs was, was removed from the team. He can go deep. He can win at all levels of the, the defense. Um, but that deep threat in particular, the ability to win one-on-one on the outside and you know, the second Derek Carr sees that, he knows he's got a deep pass that's there for the taking, exactly the same way that Aaron Rodgers has for the, the past number of years. That's going to open up space for Darren Waller and for Hunter Renfro and, and for those guys to, to cook. But it brings that um, threat of the big play back to this offense that hasn't been there for a while. And when you look early last season, when Henry Ruggs was in the lineup, whether or not he was getting those targets, Derek Carr was making a ton of big plays because of that extra room that that threat created every single play. That's what Devontae Adams is going to be able to do with the added bonus that he can win you know, in a bunch of different ways that Henry Ruggs wasn't able to. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Sam, um, you know, for Raider fans that may not have been able to, you know, pay close attention to Devontae Adams, we talk about Devontae Adams as arguably the best wide receiver, certainly within that top three, top five. Um, Why? What makes him so special uh, from you guys' perspective over at Pro Football Focus uh, in terms of, you know, uh, how, how good he is? Why? What makes him so good? I think he started off as the best route runner in the NFL, and that was his sort of foundation piece. He was he had such a, a fantastic uh, release package off the line; it was almost impossible to jam him with press coverage. He was always able to get into his routes and cause defensive backs problems immediately, and then separate within the route and be able to beat man coverage or beat zone coverage, whatever it was. And then as the years went on, he added everything else to his arsenal. He became you know, very good at contested catches. His hands are fantastic. He became more of a sort of physical uh, player deeper down the field. And, and you just add all that together, and he's progressed into being this complete receiver that doesn't have any holes in his game at all. Uh, very interesting about that and about how he's going to fit in this Raiders offense. But when I take a bigger picture look um, at the AFC West, considering what happened today with Tariq Hill, Considering what happened uh, last week with uh, you know um, uh, the new quarterback uh, Russell Wilson in Denver, what the LA Chargers have done defensively, and uh, keeping Mike Williams, the Raiders with Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones, uh, how good uh, is this division? And if I know it's only March 23rd, so a lot can happen. Uh, the rosters are still uh, under construction in in every uh, all 32 teams right now. Um, but as you size it up, as you begin to size it up, um, how do you see this potentially playing out? Who's benefited the most um, over these last couple of weeks? I think over the last couple of weeks, you have to say that Denver benefited the most just because their change has come at the single most important position in the NFL. They've gone from having no viable quarterback to having one of the best in the league over the past several years, and that pulls them right into contention. But now you look at that division, and it's, it's a nightmare for all of them because every single one of these teams should be looking to contend for the playoffs and, and beyond 
by the end of the season. And then the the crazy thing is it isn't just the AFC West. The entire rest of the AFC has been loading up over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, contenders like Buffalo, obviously, went and got Von Miller. Cincinnati addressed their single biggest area of weakness in terms of the offensive line. Baltimore is going to get healthy. They're going to get everybody back. Cleveland made the big trade for uh, Deshaun Watson. Miami have been making these moves like Tyree Kill, like adding Teron Armstead. Um, and even Indianapolis, you know, they ship off Carson Wentz and trying to uh, get an upgrade at quarterback in Matt Ryan. So the AFC has just become such an absolute arms race that somebody, there's going to be some great teams next year that are going to end up being on the outside looking in at the end of the season. It's the NFL. It never slows down. It's 24 uh, 7 all throughout the year, and we love it for that. And we love Sam Mon- uh, Monson coming on uh, and making some sense of it all, especially on a blockbuster day and really week uh, here uh, in Las Vegas and throughout the NFL and specifically the AFC West. Sam Monson, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. Take care, my friend. Anytime. Thanks for having me. You got it. That's Sam Monson uh, from Pro Football Focus. You can follow him at PFF underscore Sam, and I highly recommend uh, you do. Yeah, like I've been saying, um, you you could talk about, oh, they'll they'll replace him, they'll figure it out, and eventually they will. But immediately, and when I talk about immediately, I'm talking about the 2022 season, it's harder than people think to go find somebody like Tyreek Hill, who was the complete package did everything that you needed and was really part of that engine maybe the engine that really um, made that offense or separated that offense or differentiated that offense in Kansas City from everywhere else it's a tough tough day for Kansas City and I know they're thinking about the future and they had to do what they had to do um, and it all might pay off eventually but right now today for this season it's going to change uh, the world in Kansas City um, more than I think people uh, really understand. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Damon Cotton, thank you for that, by the way. We were talking uh, during the break about, I don't know how we even got on this subject. We were talking uh, about Irish accents. Oh, yes, that's right. And uh, so we talked about Snatch, and then we talked about Brad Pitt, and I, I, I said, you know what, the, the guy's a really good actor. And then we got on to Leonardo DiCaprio and the pairing of them in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I loved. I've seen it about four times. I love it. I love It's one of my favorite movies of all time now. And there are, are some people, including in our circle, um, that didn't like it as much, but Damon, I'm I'm very happy to hear that you really liked that movie. Oh, I thought it was a great movie, and you and right before we came on, we were mentioning like the blowtorch scene, <laughs> and also it was like a part of the filming they left it in the movie where it was too it got too hot it for was Leo burning. in real life. Yeah, and I'll say this: we all need a best friend like Brad Pitt, and maybe we should all be a best friend like Brad Pitt, like that his character in that movie had Leonardo's back like from beginning to end. Hold on, Vinny. I'm going to catch you up here. So you didn't mind that movie and the liberties that they took with history, but you can't stand Oh, don't, the don't. Yeah, but <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, they didn't alter somebody's. Uh, Bruce Lee, you think he's losing a fight? That to was, him? that was probably wrong. That was probably wrong. Yeah, I heard that the Bruce, Lee, obviously Bruce, that was a great scene, by the way. That was a great scene, by the way. But yes, no, we're talking about winning time and my good friends from the Lakers who have been 
Talk about a blowtorch. They've taken a blowtorch to Jerry West uh, in that Fox show. Rick Fox isn't, isn't allowed to step I can't believe Rick cryptocurrency was a part arena. of that. Yeah, like he had he to host, have, He hosts the podcast. I like, know. I, I got to watch that to see what his, like if he's, if he's just professionally grinning and bearing, you know, through it. Or if he legitimately likes us, he he knows better. He Rick Fox knows better, man. <laughs> Golly. Uh, anyway, we're gonna go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Eddie is in L.A. How you doing, Eddie? What a great time to be a Raider fan. That's <laughs> how I'm doing right now. There you go. It's uh, and especially in the last 15 years, but just this is this is beyond what we could have thought this team would be at this point at the end of last season. I mean, just. To be, to have Adams added, you 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 revamped the defense, so to speak. You are adding so much depth. You got this clear direction, and you're doing that at the same time and helping the re- the other teams in your division get weaker. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I mean, and and Eddie in L.A. Uh, absolutely 100 percent because I don't know whether. Excuse me. It was intentional. It was planned, or it was just sort of um, organically how the dominoes fell. But there's no doubt, without a doubt, that the Raiders' move to go get Devontae Adams and pay him what he did had a direct impact on the Kansas City Chiefs and how they dealt with Tariq Hill. It changed the financial dynamic to a place where the Chiefs did not want to live in, and so they had to trade. Arguably, I mean, well. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, you want to say who's the best, who's the most important, blah, 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 blah. I think Patrick Mahomes is because he's the quarterback. But outside of that, it's like equal parts of impact between Tariq Hill and, and Travis Kelsey, and they helped each other. It's a massive loss for the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Raiders can, you know, whether, again, intentional, not planned, planned, whatever, they were the cause of it. They were the catalyst of it. So uh, they've already gotten a big win in their division, and the games haven't even started yet. So uh, pretty interesting to see how that all played out. Back out to the Raider Nation. Listener line, Ralph is in L.A. How you doing, Ralph? Hi. How you doing? Doing very good. question. I was kind of posing about, like, I know you traded a couple of draft picks, and I'm happy with the pickups of Adams and everybody. But I still think you uh, still need a speed guy because you got basically three underneath route runners for Adams, Waller, and Renfro. So I don't know how they can address it, you know, with uh, trading away the draft picks. Well, Demarcus Robinson brings some speed. Uh, he's definitely "quote unquote" the speed guy right now. That could still change. There's some. Uh, there's some other, you know, I'm sure uh, uh, pieces that are in play. But they signed Demarcus Robinson. I think it was yesterday or the day before, somewhere in the last 48 hours or so. Uh, and he was. There's another move that actually kind of weakens the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not a massive loss uh, for for them, but you know when you start talking in um, in totality. Not having Demarcus Robinson, not having Tariq Hill right now. Um, obviously, they brought in Juju Smith uh, Schuster, who I am a big fan of. Um, that that will help for sure. Uh, but for the Raiders, the speed guy right now, quote unquote, will be um, Demarcus uh, Robinson. But you know, when you think about it, Adams is plenty fast enough, and he he creates so much separation that he's able to you know uh, get a step on somebody, and and there's taking the top off of a defense in his own way. And Darren Waller, um, you know, he's not like a four-two guy, 
uh, but he's plenty fast enough too. So there's going to be a lot of different ways that the Raiders can attack. But if you are looking, you know, specifically for that speed element, Devon Cotton, Demarcus Robinson, you know, uh, he's he's the one that brings it to the to the table. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 9:20 a.m. on a Wednesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. It's been a really big week, last eight days, nine days or so, in the AFC West for a lot of reasons, uh, and mostly teams taking big steps forward, the Denver Broncos, the LA Chargers here in Las Vegas with the Raiders, bringing in Devontae Adams and uh, Chandler Jones and, and, and everything that they've been doing. But today... For the first time in the AFC West, I feel like we took a we saw a team take a step backwards. And to try to figure out how big of a step backwards they they took, we're gonna go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in Brandon Kiley. Uh, he is the co-host of BK and Ferrario weekdays, uh, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on at 101 ESPN or ESPN 101. Um, in Missouri and in St. Louis, uh, but he also has his finger on the pulse of all things Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Brandon Kylie, first of all, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. How big of a step backwards did the Kansas City Chiefs take today? I mean, it ain't great. <laughs> One of the, <laughs> what, five best non-quarterbacks, five most dynamic non-quarterbacks in football is no longer on the Chiefs. I mean, I, I have to imagine there's a whole lot of Raiders fans that Remember that game where they were up against Kansas City? I think that was in Las Vegas uh, at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, the Chiefs put up 28 points in the second quarter, and it was because Demarcus Robinson and Tyreek Hill and McCall Harbin, all of the speed that they had at receiver, it just took over. And that was what the Chiefs were known for. And now the offense is going to be different. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't think you know what that's going to look like. Frankly, I don't know how anybody could possibly know what that's going to look like because we haven't seen this. Tyreek Hill has been a stalwart in the offense since the moment that he stepped onto the field for the Chiefs, and that era of Kansas City Chiefs football is now over, and I'm as curious as you are, and I'm sure as curious as many Raiders fans of how they're going to replace him, what they're going to do the rest of the offseason, and frankly, what this means for the rest of Patrick Mahomes' career as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we don't want to, like, overplay it, but it's hard not to really, when you when you think about what Tyreek Hill brought to the table, he's the entire package. The speed guy, the explosiveness, the quickness. You can hand it off to him. Uh, in short space, he was tremendous. Long balls, he was outstanding, probably the best uh, in the NFL. You just don't replace that. And I know... Obviously, Andy Reid is as creative as it gets. It's a great organization. They're going to figure something out to try to replicate it a little bit. Um, but you, guys like Terry Kill do not grow on trees. How difficult? Um, and what do you do? You have any kind of a feeling on how they're going to go about trying to replicate at least the production that he brought? So you don't replace Tyreek Hill. That's that's the first thing. You can't because, I mean, everybody has been trying to find the next Tyreek Hill since he entered the league. And the honest truth is that nobody found him. I mean, the closest thing is probably Debo Samuel. And even he is a little bit different in the way that he goes about it. That's not to take anything away from Debo. He's unbelievable. And now everybody's looking for the next Debo Samuel. But you really can't replicate that. So the answer is they're going to have to go about it a lot differently now. They're going to have to have multiple guys that are producing at wide receiver. And I do wonder in my heart of hearts if that's part of what led to this. Because last year, 
there were a lot of moments. I know the overall numbers don't necessarily indicate this, but I'm sure Raiders fans saw it as they were probably watching the Chiefs at times last year. There were moments when the Chiefs' offense looked a little stagnant, and it didn't look the same. And there wasn't a really obvious reason as to why. Everybody went immediately to the cover two stuff, and that's definitely part of it. But it was bigger than that. They didn't have a legitimate number two wide receiver. And now with Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he's a really good number two. They're missing a number one, though. And I think what they're going to do to try to solve that is they're probably going to take a wide receiver in the first round of the draft. They might even trade up to get one. They're probably going to go out and sign another veteran guy. They're going to use McCole Hardman. They might make a trade. I know there's been some buzz today that maybe LaVisca Chenault is going to be involved. I think they're going to go four or five wide receivers deep this year. And in the past, it's really been Tyree Kill and then kind of everybody else since Sammy Watkins has left. And I think that's one thing that might have ultimately led to this decision by the Chiefs is they didn't want to commit $30 million to one player. When they saw what that looks like last year, it just makes you too vulnerable behind him. Uh, we're talking to Brandon Kiley uh, from uh, 101 ESPN in St. Louis and uh, also uh, has his finger on everything with the Kansas City Chiefs. You could follow him at BK Sports Talk. Uh, all right, Brandon, you know, uh, there's cause and effect. Everything is connected in a lot of ways in the NFL, especially when you're talking about a specific position group. And when one guy gets paid at the top of that market, it's going to change the dynamic of the next guy that's right alongside uh, that type of a player. Devontae Adams gets traded to the Raiders. They sign him to the richest wide receiver contract in the history of the NFL. We all know that um, you know uh, Tyreek and his people are looking at that and saying, okay, we're not going to take a penny less than that. Why should we? Um, feel like our guy is just as good, if not better, uh, than Devontae Adams. How much do you think that changed the dynamic of the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill? And from your perspective and from the Chiefs fans' perspective, was there any inkling that this could actually head in the direction that it took today? So I'll answer the, the, the last part first. No. I don't think anybody knew that this was going to result in Tyreek Hill being traded. Um, and honestly... I think everybody just kind of assumed the contract would eventually get done. There were a lot of reports that came out that they were very close on a deal that would pay him. At first, it was like $21.5 million is what the reporting came out with. I think eventually they got closer to like $24 million on what the offer was from the chief side. And then things just stalled, and it stopped, and nobody really knew why. And I had heard that that was maybe a reason as to why the Chiefs didn't end up going in on, and this is another one for you guys that the Raiders might have impacted, I think the Chiefs were interested in Chandler Jones, um, and I think they didn't necessarily have the money free because they weren't sure what was going on with Tyreek Hill's contract at the time. They needed to free up that money to be able to use it elsewhere. Like you said, everything is connected. And when that wasn't happening, they couldn't really move on the market the way maybe they wanted to, and then the salaries got out of whack, and the, the defensive end market exploded, and so they couldn't really play in those waters either, and now you've got Frank Clark still back in Kansas City. So all of that was connected. As for what happened with Devontae Adams and that contract, I'm torn on this. I think some of the reporting on this might be a little misguided, and it's really trying to fit an explanation with what happened. Did Devontae Adams' cap hit and the number that he got impact Tyreek Hill's contract? Yes, absolutely, no doubt about it. I also think there's some funny money that's going on right now. Because Devontae Adams' contract is not what was reported. You guys know that out in Las Vegas. It, there's some money at the back end of that deal he's likely to never see. Yeah, it's all, it was all about the $65 million guaranteed. That, that was what Absolutely. the big number was. 
And the same is true for Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill got a massive guarantee. There's $52 million that is guaranteed to Tyreek Hill today. There's $72 million that's very likely going to be guaranteed to Tyreek Hill. But there's a final year in that contract that he makes $45 million that he's never going to see. There's a 0% chance that in 2026, Tyreek Hill, as a 32-year-old receiver, is going to make a $44 million base salary. It's not happening. But that's how he gets the, the $30 million in your annual value, and that's what he wanted. He wanted to be the highest average annual value player ever. So that money's there, but it's not actually ever going to be seen. He got a $25 million per year contract. That's what Tyreek Hill signed. Yep. Would the Chiefs have done that? I mean, I think they might have, but I think there's something here where uh, this is speculation by me. Go ahead. I think Tyreek wanted to go elsewhere. I think I don't think Tyreek wanted to play in Kansas City anymore. I can't explain to you why that is, but there's not a whole lot that makes sense to me as to why the Chiefs were offering 24. He ended up getting 25, and now he's not playing for the Chiefs. You think one million dollars is going to make that difference? I I personally don't. Or it could be that the Kansas City Chiefs just ultimately said, we're we're not going to do that. We're just not going to, you know, and we obviously we all have seen the numbers that were being talked about prior to all of this. But maybe the Chiefs just decided, look, you know, um, we're not going to do it. And, you know, there's there's valid reasons for them to do so. I know it's an immediate hit without question. But once you start putting money out there like that over and over again, you're going to ultimately pay a price for it. And maybe they just felt like, you know what, let's avoid that. But in the process, be able to bring in a whole bunch of draft picks and see what we can, uh, you know, redo and remake if we have to remake it uh, with those draft picks and the assets and the money that we have under the cap. Maybe it was the Kansas City Chiefs who ultimately decided, made that decision. I think it might have been mutual. Yeah, there's definitely some truth to that. And I think the Chiefs are looking at this, and you can see this with other moves that they're making. They're moving on from Tyron Matthew. They're bringing in Reed. And that's to get younger and faster on the back end of the defense. And they're trying to do that all over the place right now. And this is going to be the next era of Chiefs football, right? You've seen this with the Patriots when they were going through everything with Tom Brady over the last 20 years. There were different eras of Tom Brady football in New England. And this is the end of this one with Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes, and they're about to begin a new one. Just, I'm very curious as more reporting comes out on this and what happened with the Tyreek Hill saga, what ultimately led to the breaking point? I think some of it is the Chiefs decided, you know what, we're not willing to uh, break our bank to be able to just give you everything you want. I think some of it might have been Tyreek Hill having his eye elsewhere and wondering what it would be like to play in Miami where he just built a brand new house and where I believe his girlfriend also lives. I I think there's something there as well. So um, it's a crazy day, man. It's a a huge day for the Chiefs. It's a big day for the AFC West. And I think you can honestly say right now the Chiefs are the only team in this division that this offseason has gotten worse while the rest of the division has gotten better. And that is not something we've been able to say for – Maybe seven years or so. With yeah, so, no doubt about it. it. Yep, it's been a while. Everyone's been chasing them, and it, it felt like over the last week, even prior to today, teams were starting to close that gap. You know, like legitimately so, where the Chargers mm-hmm. doing what they were doing, and the Denver Broncos, and here in Las Vegas, the Raiders. Um, and now, I mean, they it still has to all you know happen on the grass uh, ultimately. But it just seems like you know, just as teams were kind of catching up the Chiefs took a little bit of a step backwards. But as we think about the AFC, how do you think it truly does change the dynamic of this division? And are the Chiefs now no longer the hunted? Uh, it's interesting, man, because I I think they're still going to be viewed that way by the rest of the division just because they've dominated so much in that division over the years. But I think that, for at least through the way that I look at it, I think it's the Chargers that, in my mind, go into the season as the 
favorite. I think they're the most talented team. I think the Broncos and the Chiefs are pretty similar right now. I want to see it from the Broncos before I believe it. And then I think the Raiders are just behind them. And that's not a shot against Las Vegas. Somebody's got to be last in this division. I think they're probably like the seventh best team in the AFC, but somebody's got to be last in this division. So that's kind of the way that I stack it up right now. But if you told me any of these teams finished first and any of them finished last, I would believe you. Yeah, there's no question about it. Brendan, Kylie, thank you so much. I know you're overcoming a cold, so I appreciate uh, you guys you, you pushing through uh, for us. We really appreciate the insight from your neck of the woods. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you down the road, my friend. Happy to do it, man. Appreciate it, and uh, best of luck to the Vegas Raiders this year, man. There you go. Thank you, Brendan Kylie. Uh, again, you can follow him at BK Sports uh, Talk. It's, it is a pick in the AFC West, and I've been saying this for from the get-go. Um, it's all going to come down to who plays the best football on any given Sunday. It always does, but now what I've been also saying is I don't think the Raiders go into any game thinking that there's a talent dis- uh, you know, disadvantage going on. They have the talent to compete every Sunday, whoever it is that they're playing against, and look somebody straight in the eye and say, we've got just as many good players as you do, so let's just figure it out now over the next three hours uh, who the better team is going to be today. There's no more having to go into games on a hope and a prayer. They stack up with anybody in the NFL. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We're going to go to Mitch in New Jersey. Mitch, how you doing, my friend? How's it going, Vinny? How you doing, buddy? Um, good, man. Yeah, this is tell you, you, know, you can't have two guys that have mega salaries. So, you know, there's a salary cap. If this was in baseball, then Hill will still be with the Kansas City Chiefs. But um, was uh, Juju Smith, you know, I'm a fan of him, was that a, a, a one-year deal for, for a reasonable bound? Yeah, you Juju know, was one year. Him, but, oh, one year? So he'll be a free agent. Well, he's, he's coming back from an injury. Maybe that's why the Raiders didn't take a fly on him. But this kid, Robinson, he's pretty fast. So we're going to have some series, uh, some series at wide receiver. It'll be a lot of scoring. We can score with anybody. Yeah, I think it's going to be so great. It is. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I think the Raiders, we've been talking about this, just like they have with their running back position where they've gotten every body type, if you need power, if you need quickness, you need a couple yards, you need somebody to catch the ball out of the backfield, uh, you need some blocking, um, whether it's pass blocking or as a lead uh, run blocker. Uh, the Raiders, when you look at what they've done at their running back room, they've got all of their bases covered. Well, they, to me, have done the same thing now at wide receiver. You've got the, you've got, you know, the big bodied guy in, in Brian Edwards. Obviously, you've got Hunter Renfro and what he does in the slot. You've got uh, Darren Waller, who's just an all-world weapon. You've got now Devontae Adams. Um, you know, Demarcus Robinson brings uh, some speed to the equation. There's a lot of different ways that, you, that the Raiders can attack people from the wide receiver uh, position. And, you know, it's just, again, indicative of how this group is building this team. And when I say the team that they're building, um, it really keeps an eye on everything that you – they're not going to leave any tool outside of the toolbox. They're going to bring – they're going to go into every game pretty much with every tool that you possibly need. That's how you win games because every situation is going to be 
right in front of your face at some point, and you have to be able to deal with it, and you deal with it by having the necessary skill set in that toolbox to address any situation. And I think the Raiders are going about it the right way in their roster building. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line, Roger in Vegas. How you doing, Roger? Fine, and yourself? I'm doing good, thank you. So, uh, AFC West, I've been following it, let's see, I'm 57 for nine, uh, oh, since I was nine years old. And one thing about the AFC West, particularly this year, is you don't know what you got in the West. Everybody's going to new teams, no continuity. Sure, they can build it up in two or three months, but it's not the same. So we really don't know what we got in the West until it actually plays out. This hill trade, that's no big deal. It happens, he moves on. But with that being said, the West is just going to be a mess. Well, it's going to be a good mess, uh, I'll tell you that, because there's some good football out here. There's some great players. Um, You know, even Devontae Adams yesterday when we were talking to him said, look, man, even if I was with the Packers, I'd be lying if I didn't say the AFC West was the best on paper, the best uh, division in football, and and it really is. I mean, you've got everything that you can possibly look for, um, pass rushing duos, you know, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, those are like two of the best pass rushing duos in the NFL, and they're both in the same division. You've got the great quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, uh, Russell Wilson, the veteran quarterback, coming to the Denver Broncos. I think that Derek Carr, now surrounded by the kind of talent that he has, um, people are going to look at him a little bit differently. If the Raiders often stays healthy, and Derek Carr has consistently Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Jacobs and all the offensive weapons that he has around him. If that stays intact this year, watch out for the numbers that he's going to put up, that this offense is going to put up. And I think the world and specifically probably some Raider fans are going to look at him and um, and and understand like what he really does bring to the table when complemented by um, you know great players. And that's that's why when you look at Patrick Mahomes for how how good he is and he, and he brings everything to the table. He can run, he can throw. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's smart as a whip. Um, he can extend plays. He's got great feet. He's got great vision. Um, you know, he can move around, maneuver the pocket. But if you can't protect him, and we saw that in the Super Bowl that they lost, he was running for his life back there. Or if he loses something as dynamic as a Tyreek Hill and you can't replicate that if you can't replicate it, which they're going to have a big issue replicating it. You're going to see that it's going to affect even a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Okay. He gets better when there's better talent around him. Derek Carr is going to get better in terms of the numbers and, and, and everything that you look for because better talent is now around him. He's never had a Devontae Adams, and he certainly hasn't had a combination like Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. We saw a glimpse of that, at least in, a, in, in, in some sort of a way, with Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller and how explosive the Raiders' offense was to start last season and the role that Henry Ruggs played in it, playing off of a of a of a Darren Waller, and obviously you also had um, you know a Hunter Renfro and all the other complementary pieces that were there. But when that was intact, the Raiders' offense was humming, and there were people that were literally talking about Derek Carr early in the season as an MVP candidate. He didn't get worse as the year went on. 
the talent around him got worse. And that was the cause for the drop-off in the offensive production. You can't just run somebody else out there to replace Henry Ruggs. You can't just run somebody out there to replace Darren Waller. You're going to feel that effect. And now, as the Raiders head into next year, sitting here on March 23rd, they've not only now addressed the glaring hole left behind by by Henry Ruggs, they did it in a way that brings arguably the best wide receiver in the game onto their roster. That just changes everything, and obviously – It's going to be felt by Derek Carr. It's going to be felt by Darren Waller. It's going to be felt by Josh Jacobs. This whole offense is going to benefit from that one addition. Now, what do the Raiders do on the offensive line? You know, Brandon Parker right now, I guess, would be penciled in as the right tackle. Maybe it's Jermaine uh, Illuminar if that's the direction that you want to go in. I have a hard time believing as we sit here in March that either of those two players will be the starter at right tackle. But, you know, at this point, if there was a game on Sunday, one of those guys is going to start, you know, at right tackle. Or maybe Alex Leatherwood moves back over uh, to right tackle. Or maybe it's Denzel Good. I don't know. But it just seems like the answer at right tackle right now is outside the building. I just have a strong feeling that it's got got to be somebody else and, and, and will be somebody else. Who that potentially is don't know Uh, but I think that it's an area that the Raiders you know uh, probably need to shore up unless they feel good unless Josh McDaniels and and you know Mick Lombardi feel good about you know who they have right now in this building and on that roster that they'll be able to manufacture a good enough offensive line Um, and certainly with the weapons that the Raiders have now too I'm not going to say that you know, you, you you don't have to have a great offensive line, but, uh, you know, having the types of players now that the Raiders have offensively, especially adding Devontae Adams to the mix, it it it, it lessens the need. It's not as big of a need. Uh, if you could just be okay at offensive line, it should be good enough. Uh, but still, I think that the Raiders are probably going to have to um, address it at some point. I want to say thanks to all of our guests, George Reister, Brandon Kylie, Sam Monson. Uh, thank you for bringing so much great insight and enlightenment. Thanks to all the callers. I know you guys are excited and a little bit stunned at what happened to your division foe, Kansas City Chiefs, today. Uh, I want to say thanks to DeMond Cotton, our great producer, for making us sound good and be on time. Thank you to all of our listeners. You're why we do this, um, and we're honored to do it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. It's been brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We'll be back at it tomorrow on Raider Nation Radio 920. AM 4 to 6 p.m. Have a great night. Check you guys out tomorrow.